0: How many of you, show of hands, enjoy getting scared? A, thank you. Two of us, three of us. I mean, people must enjoy getting scared. They go to scary movies, right? Because, I don't know, there's just something about that adrenaline rush or something. But to tell you the truth, in the, in the things that really count in life, we don't really want to live in fear. And the things that really count, you know, we we don't wanna we don't wanna wonder if if we're gonna make it home okay, is the car gonna work? We don't wanna we don't wanna live in fear of am I gonna run out of money or am I gonna is my health gonna be okay? Nobody likes fears. Real fear that's not resolved at the end of a movie is really serious. And fears are actually something that have to be treated. They're, they're, they're people go to counselors, psychologists, clinics to be treated and to, and to get help for their fears. And as, as, uh, as, as this has been studied and looked at and they're trying to help people, they keep coming up with new understandings and names for some of the fears that people have. And so I went online, because Google knows everything, and I looked up to find out what are some of the newer fears that they're cataloging. And from what I read, and uh, these are true, the first fear, and these are all phobias. The word phobia means fear. The first fear that is new that they're cataloging is called nomophobia. Nomophobia is the fear of being without your cell phone. (laughs) I'm not making this up. There are actually there are people who are seeking treatment. They say, you know, if I'm out of sight of my cell phone, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I'm going to be out of touch. I'm afraid that I'm not going to know what my friends are saying or, or what's being posted or whatever. This has actually been suggested to be added to the next edition of the DSMV, the Manual of Mental Disorders. Uh, another fear, and I, I I hope I can say these correctly, a blue but a blue to, a blue to phobia is the fear of bathing, washing, or showering. And this is actually a fear that some people have. It usually develops in children at a young age and hopefully is, is overcome and conquered before they get too old. But some people actually live with it into adulthood. And you can imagine with me the social implications of having this problem uh, in, in terms of work, relationships, friendships, uh, uh, all kinds of things would be so negatively impacted if that fear has a hold of you. Uh, some fears are are just uh, very unusual. Uh, some people have cer- fears of certain numbers. Uh, number eight is the number one fear that people have fears over. And psychologists say most likely something happened like on the eighth of the month. And the people remember that, and then when they see the letter eight, they, they're triggered by that. They recall it. Uh, colors also have... Uh, bring some people some fears now there's a fear that I um, I'm going to try to say for it's going to appear on the screen this is another phobia it's hippopotamus phobia, I think and this fear and I was was kind of nervous to say this to you last night I I was sitting in bed with my wife I printed it out and I'm practicing this word she says you're not going to try to say that are you And I said, I'm practicing for that, and I was actually kind of afraid to say it to you, but here's what's ironic about it. This phobia is the fear of long words. (laughs) And it is, according to what I read, the longest word in the dictionary. Uh, There's another phobia that is really interesting. It's called phobia-phobia. It is the fear of getting fears. The fear of thinking, you know, uh, this is really a spiral, isn't it? I'm afraid that I'm going to start to feel fear. So you start getting fearful over that fear, and the fear just begins to escalate. It becomes actually a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, I want you to know something today. My goal of sharing my message with you today from the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 is that you would not be controlled by fears. Because the scriptures tell us in Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. That's his purpose for us. That we would be people who are not controlled by fears. But we would be a people who find God's secret, his power, for living as a person of sound thinking, understanding God's love. And living with power in their lives. So today I've titled my message simply this. It is, what? Be afraid? That we would be able to say, why would I be afraid? Why would I, a child of God, live in fear? So I want you to turn to the book of Peter, 1 Peter, chapter 3. And Peter begins the section we're going to study today by saying this, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. He's saying that even when you go through hard times, you are still a blessed person. Even when you suffer, it's you are still the child of God. You are still a blessed person. We by our nature seem to be predisposed towards fear. When something goes wrong, there's like a little switch that goes off in us that says I should be afraid. I should be afraid about my future, I should be afraid about my prospects, I should be afraid about my relationships, I should be afraid about my money, my health, my and the list goes on and on and we begin to become that phobia phobia person. Peter is drawing here from the words of Isaiah. He's not actually plagiarizing, but he's taking the truths of Isaiah, he's putting them into his own words, he's bringing that truth that Isaiah brought forward into the New Testament. And here's what it says, Isaiah chapter eleven, or chapter 8 verse 11 says this, Isaiah says, the Lord spoke, spoke to me with his strong hand on me. So Isaiah is saying, I got a real strong word from God on this, warning me not to follow the way of this people. He said, do not call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. When I read this, I was working on this message at home, I got up and I said to my wife, "I just read Isaiah chapter 11 verse, or chapter eight, verse 11 and 12, and it sounds like Isaiah wrote that for today, not for 4,000 years ago." He said, "A strong word from the Lord came to me, and he said, "Don't call conspiracy everything these people are calling conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. Do not dread it. Here's the word of God for us today." God is for us, not against us. All the things that are happening in the world are not piling up to go over you, to run over you. God has got victory for you. And he said, stop naming everything that happens in your life as a conspiracy, as something that's going to to ruin you, something that's going to, uh, to, to be horrible for you. Stop calling it that. Stop giving it that power. When you start to fall into that, You are giving those fears reality. You're giving them life. And and God said to Isaiah, can you go back to that scripture for a moment? I'm not quite done with it. He said to him, stop doing that. He said, that's what these people are doing. That's what the world is doing. I've got news for you folks. We are not the people of this world. We are not the people of this world. And we, we are finding ourselves fed with the conspiracies and the negativities of this world and making them real and giving them life. And God would say, as he said to Isaiah, stop doing that. You are not those people. We are not those people. We have, we've been given a different way to live. We have actually been told to live with a different vision. Instead of focusing on the fear We're called to focus upon Christ. We decide where our focus lies. In verse number 15, Peter says this, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. The world may fall into this, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Set apart Christ. What does it mean to set apart? It means that we are saying Christ is above those things. So the next fear that enters your life, you say, but wait a minute. I may fear cancer. I may fear financial ruin. I may fear the politics of the day. But wait a minute. I'm setting apart Christ. I'm setting him above my my life, not these fears above my life. Christ is above our fears. He lives above those. Have you ever heard people, you ask people how you're doing and their response is, I'm doing fine under the circumstances. There's the problem. The circumstances are above us. Christ is the one who should be above. He's greater than any power that could come against us and he is going before us. Anything that comes into our life, Jesus has already seen it coming. When we pray, and we we ask the lord to, you know we bring to the lord a problem we say lord i just looked at my at my bank balance and my bank balance is awful and god does not say this comes as a shock to me as well <laughs> or you go to the doctor and you find out there's a funny lump somewhere and you go i had no idea this was coming Jesus says, I knew it was coming before the foundations of the earth, and I had an answer for you before that even came, before you were even created. Every day in your life has been written in my book. I know every thought you're going to think. I know every word you're going to say. This is not coming as a shock to him. And he is not worried, confused, or powerless. He does not wring his hands and say, well, this really does change things, doesn't it? Nothing has changed for God. Back to Isaiah, back to his prophetic word, he said this, The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. That's the same thing Peter said. In your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. And Isaiah says, The Lord God is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. And he will be a sanctuary to you. He says, You don't need to fear anybody but God. And that fear is not that he's going to hurt you. It's just that fear that says, I honor and reverence you, God. And my fears are under your control. To set apart means to acknowledge. It's to say, my experience is going to be in you. I'm setting you apart. And it's interesting here, Peter says, and to do it in our hearts. It's easy just to kind of read through a verse and not get the meaning of every word. He says, in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Why did he say to do it in your hearts? Because the heart is the place where your worries are living. The heart is the place where your worries are springing, where your fears are coming up. Those things reside in our hearts. They're getting free rent in our hearts. And what what God is calling us to do is in our hearts set Christ as Lord so that the fear has nowhere to live. Fear and Jesus aren't going to occupy the same space. Do you believe that? When when you set him apart in your heart and you say, instead of fear directing my my motives, instead of fear directing my actions, instead of fear directing my speech, I'm going to put Christ as Lord in my heart over those things and he is not going to let them live there any longer. And it says here to set him apart as Lord. Lord. The word "Lord" and it and actually says "Lord Almighty" means the Yahweh of Armies, the God of the Armies of the host of Heaven. So when we set apart Christ as Lord, we are we are saying, "Lord, I want you to bring to bear in my life." All of the creative power and authority and, and, and entities that you have ever made, all of the angels of God, all of the power of God, all the power of the Holy Spirit, the Lord of the hosts of heaven is going to be residing in my heart. I, I can feel, feel confident and not be afraid. I am not alone. It gets pretty hard for fear to live in that heart because it's so crowded with the presence of God. The psalmist talked about that very thing, the armies of God, in Psalm 46, verse 6 and 7, where it says, he uttered his voice and the earth melted. Just think of that. That that Lord, who the, the armies of heaven respond to, utters his voice and the earth melts. And it says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, our fortress and our high tower. We're safe in the arms of God. Christians, then, are people of hope, even in what the world would say is hopeless circumstances. We are hopeful in the face of hopelessness because we have this strong advantage in God. There's a wonderful story about Jesus in the face of hopelessness, and it's found in the book of Mark, chapter 5. And if you want to turn there, please do, but keep your finger in Peter. But turn to, uh, to, to John, chapter 5. Here's the story of a man. He was a synagogue ruler, so he was a very devout Jew in charge of a local synagogue. His name was Jairus. He had a daughter, and the Bible says that seeing Jesus in town, he sought Jesus out, and he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. And here's what he said. He says, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands in her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with her, with him. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. What would the panic be like for a parent who is saying, My child is dying? As a parent, as a grandparent, I can think of nothing that would stir up more concern and fear than to say my precious little one is dying and so he came with a specific request he came to jesus and he knew exactly what he wanted for him from jesus he just didn't say you know could you do something he was very specific he said please come i need you to drop what you're doing and come this is so important and when you get to her, I want you to put your hands on her. And when you put your hands on her, I believe she's going to be healed, and I believe she's going to live. He, he made a great statement of faith, and he made a very specific request. I need you to come. I need you to put your hands on her. I need your power to go into her. And Jesus said yes. He says, so he went with him. Jairus set Christ as Lord in his heart. He said, there is but one answer, and it's Jesus. And I'm going to set him as Lord over the situation. He knew that Jesus was the only hope. But along the way, there were difficulties. On the way, things didn't go as Jairus had asked. He didn't say, Jesus Come and heal my daughter. And on the way, feel free to stop off and talk to other folks. But that's exactly what happened. Because as they were on the way, there was a woman who had a bleeding issue. And she had said to herself, if I could just touch Jesus' clothing, even just get the very edge of the hem of his coat, if I could just touch him, I know I'd be healed. The Bible tells us she had suffered with this for 12 years. And so as Jesus is going by, the crowd is just everywhere. They're thick around him. They're jostling around him. This lady gets her way in there. She touches Jesus' hem, and she's healed. And instead of just letting it be at that and hurrying to Jairus' house, Jesus has to turn around, and he goes, well, that was interesting. Somebody touched me, and and his disciples are like, well, how can you say that? He gets into a discussion with them. I know it happened because power went out for me. Jairus is sitting there. Would you come on? And then Jesus goes into an investigation. Well, we need to find out who did that. Who here touched me? And she raises her hand. Well, I got to admit it was me. I've been sick for 12 years. And I'm sure Jairus is going, 12 years. You could have waited 10 minutes. <laughs> nope. Had to be now. And Jesus says, Well, your faith has made you whole. You know, go. You know, be happy. This is great news. And Jairus is just, oh, we got to get moving, Jesus. And while they're having this conversation, and while this frustrating delay is coming, while God is ministering to somebody else and meeting this other person's need, horrible news comes to Jairus. Because it says, while Jesus was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house. Messengers who said, Your daughter has died. Why bother and distress the teacher any further? They came with the worst possible news failure. The thing you feared happened. Jesus didn't come through for you, God has let you down. And then look at their advice. They said, don't bother God anymore. Give up on God. Why expect God to do something now? Now there is a sharp contrast between the advice of the people around him and the word that Jesus gave. Because their advice was, give up. Don't bother God any further. But listen to the word of Jesus. Jesus. It says, overhearing, but ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the synagogue ruler, don't be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Only keep on believing. Look at the powerful thing that he said there. He did. First of all, he heard what was said, but he ignored what they said. In your life, you're going to hear negativity. Negativity. In your life you're going to hear people say, "Listen, your marriage is doomed." If my mate did what your mate just did, there's no way I'd go back. Some would say, "If I just got the medical report you just got, you might as well just, you know, go visit down at the mortuary, take care of the final arrangements because you're done." If I just heard that the job report you got, I would say your your career is over. If I just heard this, if I just heard that, we have to ignore what is contrary to what God is saying. We hear it. It doesn't mean we don't hear it. Jesus heard it, but he ignored it, and he said you must not be seized with alarm. You must not be overcome with fear. But what I do want you to do is keep believing. If, if Peter could put in his commentary, he would say this, you may hear the negativity, but I am telling you, set apart Christ as Lord. Set apart Christ as Lord. Never stop believing. Don't give up on the promises of God. Ignore the noise that's in your life right now. And so Jesus encouraging Jairus, goes to their house. And when he gets there, he's faced with even more negativity. In verse 39, Jesus, we see this. There's commotion going on, and Jesus says, why all this commotion and wailing? Because when he got there, the previous verse tells us that there were people out front crying, moaning, and wailing. Back in those days, in order to make uh, this kind of experience really meaningful, they actually had paid mourners. People who would hear about a death in town would show up and really put on a show of mourning and crying, and then they would get a little tip for their efforts. And so uh, here's this commotion outside these people, some of them even disingenuous in their in their crying. They're baw- moaning and bawling and everything is lost. And Jesus says to them, why all this commotion? Now, I, I just want to tell you that in your life, when fear comes up, one of the tools the enemy uses is commotion. Things to be swirling around you and, 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 and confusion and all kinds of yelling and people saying things and speaking to you. And Jesus is saying, why are you doing this? This child is not dead but asleep. And when you make a statement like that, you're going to get people who will say, you are out of your mind. And they laughed at him. Boy, it didn't take them long to go from moaning and wailing to laughing. They laughed at him. But again, Jesus says, we've got to rise above and not listen to this commotion. In the next verse it says, he put them out. He put them all out. He said, You're going to have to leave. There's no room for faith and fear in the same house. And he took with him the child's father and mother and disciples, and he went in there to where the child was. He took with him people who he had commanded to believe. He had said to the disciples, come with me, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're going to do miracles. I'm going to teach you these things. He said to Jairus, and I'm sure he said to Mama too, he said, don't be afraid, just Believe. So he took with him people who were on the path of faith. And they went into where that little girl was. And the Bible says he took her by the hand and he said to her, Talitha Kamon, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the little girl stood up and walked around. Let me ask you, which voice had power in that situation? The voices of commotion. The voices who said, give up, don't bother God anymore, it's too late, this story's over, The, the final chapter's been written, or the one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You see, the one who has authority, the one who created us and gives us life, had the final word. So today I'm asking you, why be afraid? Why should you be afraid? I can tell you that you can expect along the way there's going to be trouble. That along the way there's going to be noise that you're going to have to ignore. There's going to have to be voices of disbelief and defeat. There's going to be advice that's going to go contrary to the Word of God. But I want to urge you, walk right into the problem with the Lord Jesus Christ and let Him speak life that says, come to life. Be alive. Receive your miracle today. Don't give in to fear. We make him holy. The word holy here, when we we set him apart in our life, we are making him holy in our lives. The word holy means that we are not a part of the common. Everybody else may be going the path of, of, of commotion and fear, but we are not. We are making him holy in our lives. And when we do this, we become an answer for those around us. Listen, who's remembered in the story of Jairus? Jairus and his family who trusted and believed God or the people who said, give up and go home? We remember the one who said, I'm going to believe God and push through this with Jesus. I'm going to take him at his word. I'm going to let him come in and see what happens. When we do this, we are a light to people around us. Back to Peter 3.15, look what the Bible says. In your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now we often think of this verse, and I've, I've taught this, and it's not incorrect, but we often think of this verse as an instruction to tell us to be ready to share our testimony. You know, you better study God's Word, have your testimony ready, be ready, ready to be a witness, Because we always need to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. But the context of this, the very thought that Peter was in the middle of when he wrote this was this. He said, when you are going through life's difficulties and fear wants to take over your life and you set apart Christ as Lord and you rise up victorious, you better be ready to tell people around why you have that hope. Because I've put Christ as Lord in my life. And and I believe for victory. I believe in deliverance because he is Lord of my life. Because people are going to say, whatever you've got that's making such a difference for you, I need that too. Then Peter ends this scripture, this section, with a very unusual story. But before... Before we even read that, well, let's go ahead and read it. In 1 Peter 3.20, the Bible says, 8 Peter went into that boat and were brought safely through the flood. Those flood waters were like baptism that now saves you, but baptism is more than just washing your body. It means turning to God with a clear conscience because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Christ is now in heaven where he sits at the right hand of God. All angels, authorities, and power are under his control. He is saying, the people that went into the ark went through a fearful time. The people that went into the ark were going through a a, a life-threatening situation. Everybody on the earth was about to be killed. And they had to trust God to get into that boat. And he said, eight people went in and eight people came out. And that for them was their salvation. It's like baptism. He said, You are going to go through high waters. You're going to go through flood waters. You're going to go through raging fires. Your life is going to experience some some trials that are unimaginable. But he said, if God could take those eight people into the ark and take them out on the other side and, and they had victory, he can surely bring you through the flood waters of your life. Our world, people are depending in all kinds of things. We depend in our financial, and our finances. We depend in our relationships. We look to our political leaders. We look to our abilities and our talents and strengths. And we look to the world's advice for answers. And all of those fall short. We look to... Dr. Phil to tell us how to heal our relationships. We look to Oprah to find out how to feel good about ourselves. People are looking to astrology to find out how to get direction. People are looking to the government to bail them out. People are going to social media so they can have a friend. And they look to Google so they can find the truth. And I want you to know those things are fallible. Those things are shallow. Those things are not going to be right for us in the long run. What will always stand is our faith in Jesus Christ, our relationship with him. When you set apart Christ as Lord in your life, no matter what happens, He will be there for you. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. So I want to ask you today, what floods are you facing? What floods right now are in your life? Chris, can you come into the piano for us? What right now are you walking through that you would say, I have a very real opportunity for fear to come up and ruin my life. Fear is gripping and fear is debilitating. But the answer always has been, always will be, and is always consistently there for us. We set apart Christ as Lord. We set him apart as Lord. The mistake we make is we assume lordship of our lives. There's not room for two to be lord in our lives. If I am lord of my life and I'm looking to my devices and my answers, I'm going to be pushing him to the side. But Peter said, set apart Christ as lord. I want you to bow your heads with me today. wonder how many of you would say, I need to get a hold of God like Jairus got a hold of Jesus and say, I'm at a desperate point in my life, and my fear has never been more palatable, but here's what I'm asking. I'm asking you to come with me. I'm asking you to walk with me through this. I'm asking you to come and put your hands upon my life. I'm asking you to to put your hands upon the problem. I'm asking you to resurrect what was dead and make it alive and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to listen to you through all the commotion that's around me, through all the voices that give me other advice, the voices that say give up, the voices that says don't bother God any further or don't trust God any further. But I, I am looking for a relationship with you where I will be able to walk with you through my flood, through my fire. And like those eight who went into the ark, to come out on the other side and say, I found life through trusting him. Every person here today who's saying, Pastor, I need to set Christ apart as Lord over the fears that are currently trying to strangle my life. I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, today I'm going to set Christ apart as Lord over my fears. Raise it up right now. God bless you. And you, how many more? God bless you, 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 you. How many more? Today, I'm I'm no longer going to let fear be the ruler of my life. Today, I am setting christ apart as lord everyone stand with me would you I've, I've ended soon enough so that we can have prayer and i would like every person today who would say pastor i just raised my hand or maybe i should have i want you to come and to stand here i'm going to pray for you i want you to space out we're going to do all the right thing you know we're going to space and make room and but we're going to pray we're going to commit ourselves to the one who will never forgive, never, for, never, never let us go, who will never forsake us, who's going to be Lord of our fears. Right now, I want you to come. If you raised your hand, come and just stand all the way from that end of the room, all the way to that end of the room. Come on. And of all things, the irony of this, don't not come because you're afraid to come. move all the way down to the wall so we've got room for folks. Now here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask those of you in the congregation to be our prayer back up here. I want you to pray with all of us. We're gonna, we're, what we're going to do is we're first of all going to thank God that He is Lord over our lives. That's okay. You're, you're down there far enough. Now we've got a big gap here. Some of you can come this way. You're bunching up. You don't need to. Come on. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to join me in just praising God that He is the Lord of all. He's Lord over every fear, over every circumstance, every circ- every situation in our lives. Then we're going to pray a prayer of repentance and say, forgive me for trying to be Lord of this. I'm going to trust you. And then we're going, I want you to finally, as I come down and I'm going to pray along the line here, I want you to take this specific and say, "I like Jairus did, I need you to come with me. Touch my daughter so that she will live. I want you to I want you to name what you need from God. I need you today to do this so that this will happen. And then we're going to go from this place believing it, okay? All right, let's all lift our hands, everybody in this room, and let's praise God that he is the Lord of all and that he is Lord over everything that could possibly bring us fear or harm. Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I want everybody to raise your voice please don 't listen to todd let 's just let 's just pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God of all of our fears that you that you are trustworthy that you are mighty that you are the lord of the armies of heaven that the hosts of heaven respond to you that every knee bows before you and we confess today that you are lord of the glory of the father that you that you are not powerless that you have all power that you know all things that are coming into our lives that you are never caught without a, a direction or an answer you are there for us the ever-present, ever-loving ever ever God who is our strong tower. I love you, Lord, and I praise you today. Thank you, God. And now I want you to confess how wrong it is to trust yourself and how right it is to trust him. Will you do that with me? Father, I confess before you that I have been trusting myself that I've tried to make me the Lord of this, I've tried to come up with the answer, I have tried to take control, and it's brought nothing but heartache, it's brought nothing but discord, it's brought nothing but but confusion, and I, I, I I, I ask you to forgive me of that, and today, Lord, I am putting you as the Lord over this situation, as the Lord in my life today, to take full control for me now, in Jesus' name. And now I'm going to go down and I'm going to just pray for folks as I go along. And I just want you to name to the Lord the thing that you want from him. I need you to come with me. I need you to do this and this in my life. I'm going to, I'm going to trust you for it in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for my brother today, right now. In Jesus' name, I pray your power would come upon him in, in a great way today and that you would you would show your love to him show your concern for him give him confidence in what lies ahead i pray over my sister now in the name of jesus over these these women right now in jesus name i pray lord that there would be a new word that comes to them that you would cut through the confusion of the voices around them and the advice of the ungodly lord that there would be a new thing that is done and said in these lives as we are trusting you in 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 ways that we've never done before the future belongs to you, Lord. The future is not ours. We, we refuse to let the future dictate our lives and, and to give us fears today in Jesus' name. I pray over my sister now in the name of Jesus. We, I give you her family. I give you her, her relationships. I give you her future. Lord, um, every concern that is in her life now, we lay it on you and we're asking you specifically for answers. I pray over my dear couple right now. Lord, I ask that you would put your hand upon this couple as they have served you so faithfully through the decades. Even now, Lord, give them a fresh word from you as they walk through the flood. I pray that you would bring them to the high ground that you have for them. Bring answers that are clear and that are, that are, that are full of your blessing into their lives. In Jesus' name, I pray over these three, three precious women here that are before you now as they lay their lives out before you father i ask that you would give them a new confidence in you and that they would know that beyond a shadow of a doubt no matter what they face they will not fear because god is in control we set apart jesus as lord for their lives now in the precious and the mighty name of jesus can we praise god right now let's just give him an offering today a praise thank you lord that we can trust you thank you god that you are working for us that if god is for us nothing can be against us I want to send you with this word from Ephesians chapter 3 and I want you to take this with you and make it yours today. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. I want you to think of this for a moment. Whatever you just prayed, God can do more than you could even conceive to ask for. According to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in Christ. Have a wonderful and a blessed week.